Hello everyone and welcome to the second part of a very special season of Quest Me. My name is Josh and I am your host and creator of the Twist My Arm Network, a network of podcasters specializing in all sorts of pop culture nonsense. We have Marvel Cannon Madness, Sudden But Inevitable Rewatch, Best Flicks with Ricky D, and of course this show, Quest Me. We do like to go live and talk about all of our favorite pop culture nonsense. Um, we do that at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Go ahead and visit that page, smash that like button, and ring that bell to get notified every time we are live. With that being said, Mandalorian Season 3 is starting up in, oh, about three weeks from this recording here. Uh, we are going to be doing, of course, a watch party of that. Not a watch party, but a review party of that for the entire season of Mandalorian, and I am extremely excited to announce that our good friend Phil, who's a part of this podcast, is going to be joining us on the Season 3 adventure of Mandalorian. Um, he will be with us for every episode, I believe. If not every, then pretty much every episode. And of course, we're going to have Justin there, um, but he's a, he's a real-life hero and sometimes has to go do real-life hero things, and so he will be in most episodes but not all. Um, that's kind of the happenings of what's going on right now in Quest Me Land. Um, we are just gearing up for, for Mandalorian. I'm so excited, again, to, to get back into the Mandoverse. Um, and, geez, what better way to get back into that universe than to go back in time a little bit well, forward in time? Back in time? I don't really know. The Legends thing with Star Wars is so weird because it's, it jumps... It's canceled, and this is... Anyway, today, we are doing our first part of... I believe it's going to be two parts. It's a two-parter <clears throat> for the Timothy Zahn classic, Dark Force Rising. Um, that's right. Last couple months ago, before Andor started, we did the first book of the Thrawn trilogy called Heir to the Empire. It was a three-part miniseries. Um, go ahead and check that out if you haven't yet. If you haven't read these books... Don't listen any further because there are a ton of spoilers um, and I don't want to ruin anything for you because these books are incredible. Make sure to check that out. Timothy Zahn, The Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, The Last Command, those are all part of the original Thrawn trilogy and um, we wanted to kind of go through those before before Mandoverse starts popping off because let's be honest, The Mandalorian is uh, getting ready to do some big things I think uh, personally I'm, I'm I'm predicting that with John Favreau coming into the mix we're gonna get our own version of the Marvel Cinematic Universe but in Star Wars we're gonna have connecting things and stuff <laughs> I don't want to get too deep into that because we do talk about it in this episode um, one big reason we're doing these books is because there are some plot points being taken from the original Thrawn trilogy and put into the Mandoverse. And that, to me, is extremely exciting. Um, one of the first extra Star Wars series I got into, the first expanded Star Wars series I got into, was the Thrawn trilogy. And it just further emphasized my love for Star Wars. And that's why we're doing it here. We're doing it now. We're bringing these books to you um, and talking about them what, 30, 40 years now after they came out? 30 years after they came out? That's crazy. That's crazy. These books started coming out in 1992. It is 2023. That's 30 years, man. How crazy. How crazy is that? But they still stand up. They still stand the test of time. These books are still incredible. And uh, we had a really good time reading them, talking about them, doing research on them, all that good podcasting stuff. So that being said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop gushing over here about about these books and just kind of get into it this is the first time that justin has read these books and so for him it's it's all brand new and it's all really fun for me and phil to to see someone coming into the fold and, and actually learning why we love this series so much um it's a little bit of a sudden but inevitable reread if you will um you know on that show jesse takes ricky and i through old shows that Ricky and I haven't seen, but that are beloved in, in sci-fi culture. So, um, 
that's kind of what we're doing here with Justin is we're taking him through books that were beloved in the Star Wars universe and uh, the Star Wars fandom. So, like I said, this this is Dark Force Rising. It is the second book of a three-part trilogy written by Timothy Zahn. Um, it did come out in 1992. We will get so much further into the details of that book in this episode, so I'm not going to talk much more to be honest with you um if you would like to follow us you can find us on twitter at quest me tma you can find twist my arm podcast at twist my arm cast if you go on facebook and instagram and just search twist my arm podcast you'll find us we'll be there um i do have a tiktok page where i am posting lots of fun little podcast excerpts and videos that i like to make um that is tma network on tiktok so Check that out. Come give us a like. Give us a follow. Um, let us know what you think about Dark Force Rising. And uh, if if you agree with us that, that these books are going to be brought into live action in a little bit... Uh, how do I say this? It, let us know if you think that we are right in our thoughts of plot points from these being put into live action. I feel like some of them are already there. Um, i.e. Thrawn, Pelion, the Nogri, um, all of those things that were put into Rebels and and Mandalorian, they all stemmed from the Thrawn trilogy, what we're reading right now. So it is very exciting to get into this. And uh, like I said, I'm going to stop talking now. I've been talking for way too long. Let's get into this episode, the first one of a two, maybe three-part miniseries. Um, talking about Dark Force Rising with Phil and Justin. Enjoy, guys. I'm so excited for season three, man. I can't even tell you. Like, I feel like this podcast right now is going to be a lot about Mandalorian Season 3. <laughs> <sighs> the Mythosaur, you mean? No. The Mythosaur was in the first season, man. No. It's coming. It's I mean, coming. it was barely in the first season, but it was there. It was not there. <laughs> Kinda. No! The thing that came out of the water? In, like, That's the first not a episode, Mythosaur. dude. This is like a dinosaur with horns. It was close. <laughs> T-Rex with horns, man. It's it was... going to like, ah, and horn you. And horn me? Oh. <laughs> gore, I guess. Gore, gore. <laughs> I don't know what horn me means, but okay. It's gore you. I'm sorry. Gore you. Ah. No, but I mean, if he's, if he's going to be going back to Mandalore, like if he's actually going back to the home world. Oh, he there's yeah. I mean that's the whole point of his new like quest in this season. So well, and if you're thinking like I gotta go pay for my transgressions, like what better mm-hmm. way to pay for your transgressions than fight a fucking dinosaur? The sword. Yeah. <laughs> Bring back Mandalore with a mythosaur. Oh. I mean, before we get too far into that, because yeah. we will. Um, the, I mean, the whole reason I'm doing this, the whole reason <laughs> I wanted to do the Thrawn trilogy is because I am convinced in my own little head that the Mandoverse is taking pieces from the Thrawn trilogy. Oh, yeah. That Agreed. they're using a lot of that story to build the Mandoverse. And then with Thrawn coming in, it's even more solidified to me yeah um and i i I feel like this book dark force rising it kind of kind of solidifies a lot of my theories as far as you know i mean thrawn's building an army you have smugglers working on their own accord to try and find their way in this new republic galaxy and all these different things right and, and you got that in mandalorian where you have uh right now it seems like juan carlo esposito or whatever his name is Giancarlo. is Giancarlo, thank you yeah. but he's uh he's kind of building the army right like it seems like he's trying to 
build something for someone, and I I am convinced that he is working for Thrawn, that but, he's one of Thrawn's little minions. But yeah, there's absolutely parallels between this series so that that I know of so far, and what's going to be going on in the Mandalorian. Uh, the, there's the, like, the question I have is, like, who's going to be Sabath? Because there's got to be some aspect of a dark Jedi slash Well, and, and the question is, is, is this version of Sabath going to be an actual dark Jedi? Is he going to be crazy? Is he going to be someone that can be brought back to the light side? Ooh. Or is he will he be, be redeemable that... like Luke had initially hoped that Sabath would? Right, and so, like for me, Ezra from Rebels mm-hmm. is the most Seaboth character that we could see. Right, Seaboth. <laughs> I can Ezra see that. Ezra disappears with Thrawn mm-hmm. at the end of Rebels. They disappear on the ships with the space octopus. No, it was and... a space uh, whale. Was it? It was space a space whale, yeah. whale squid. Yeah, that yeah, but Ezra to me would would be the the most likely candidate to take over Joris Siboth's Siboth, um, his his role. He would be like like maybe Thrawn kept him in captivity for so long that he has some sort of Stockholm syndrome, and he has started working with Thrawn. <laughs> you Stockholm know? syndrome. I mean, that's a thing, bro. That's yeah, that's a thing I know that what I, I, I know what it is, but like, I, 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 uh, it could happen. It could. Who who else would play Joris Seaboth in in the Mandoverse? Like to actually just be like the character of Seaboth, or like to fill his role. Well, either the like, I'm saying there would be a character maybe in previous films that we have seen or properties that we have seen. That is taking the position of Seaboth because wow, we've never okay, even yeah, like, yeah. and as far as canon goes, there's never been a Joris Seaboth like confirmed, right? There's never been someone in the Clone Wars or anything like that that was Joris Seaboth. So hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. There, there is someone. It's that one dude who went off and made the clones on his own. That that was proven to be Sifo-Dyas? Yes, yeah, Epidias. Like, I'm pretty sure that was proven to be Dooku. Yeah. Um, shut if up. If I'm not mistaken. Shut up. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But no, like, like, because Seaboth, again, he Seaboth is a clone, right? Like, like you have uh, to know he's one, a clone at this point. The one that we see, yeah. Yeah. The one and, that we see in the Thrawn trilogy. And so right now is in the Mandoverse. Is that like a spoiler, you assholes? I did just spoil that for you. I am so sorry. But um uh, no, he he's it's discussed that he's a clone in the first one. You're right. That's that yeah, no, Thrawn you. Thrawn specifically mentions Joris Sibalth's mispronunciation. Clones are being unstable. Well and, oh. and talking and talking about the the whole um slight mispronunciation of Joris as Jaru's. Yep. Yeah. yeah, no, that's that's discussed in Heir to the Empire. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Thank you. Great. Yeah. Um, and as far as as far as clones go, now here's here's the other thing that wraps kind of wraps everything around, right? We haven't mm-hmm. necessarily seen a clone in any property right now that would resemble Joris Seaboth yet, but there's a new game coming out called Jedi Survivor. Mm-hmm. The sequel is Fallen Order. Very and it's very specific about what looks like a clone coming out, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone whoa, has whoa, been... whoa, 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 that's that's arguable. What looks like a clone? <laughs> it's it a person arguable. in a Bacta tank, if anything. Sure, or a, Sh- or sure. a tank, or a tank that it's a Bacta tank or a cloning tank. We don't know. That tank highly resembles the tanks that we saw in the Bad Batch. Season finale. And it highly resembles a back to tank. Correct. But (laughs) the only thing that maybe would introduce someone like Joris would be in Jedi Survivor. But we haven't seen it yet. We haven't played it yet. We have no idea who that character actually is. Yeah. And there was a lot of talk about the uh, importance of uh, Jedi Survivor 
uh, in canon. to the canon, uh, yeah. to like the current canon. So, yep. And uh, what's his name? Uh, Dominic uh, Monaghan. Is that Dom- Dominic Monaghan? I think whatever. Yeah, from Lord of the Rings. Yes. Uh, well, no. The, he, the he kid play? that plays the main character in oh, Jedi. Joker from uh, Gotham. Yes, and he's also in Shameless. Oh, oh, god, he's he's a good. Some point. Good Cameron actor. Monaghan is his name. Okay. Uh, That'd be dope close. to see him in a live action show. And so that being said, if he were to come into a live action into the Mandoverse as like an adult or something, and Jedi Survivor somehow introduces this clone that maybe works with Thrawn, it's maybe. possible that this guy could be Jorah Seaboth. Um, maybe it's Ezra <laughs> it's not Ezra because if you watch the trailer for Jedi Survivor the guy has flowing white hair which it's better than Ezra yes <laughs> that's funny <laughs> that's, a, that's a funny little reference right there that band sucks um, <laughs> <laughs> it's fighting words <laughs> anyway um, the, the flowing white hair from the character in Jedi Survivor in that trailer kind of leads me to believe that he might be some sort of Joris like spin-off character. Analog. Yes, but ah. at the same time ah. all of these things are theories, they're all thoughts that we've had, they're all It's like, all just... based upon the literature that we've been reading. Exactly. And so that's what I was going to kind of spin fine, it back around to what we're actually talking about today and that is Star Wars Dark Force Rising, written by Timothy Zahn, came out in 1992. Can you believe that? 92. How old were you, Justin, in 1992? Uh, um, four or five. Yep. I was also four. What about you, Phil? Five? Uh, I turned five that year. Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice. Yeah. So we had no idea who Timothy Zahn was. I didn't even know what Star Wars was at that age. Oh, I was obsessed with Empire. Um, <laughs> nice. No, but, it, it was it was like yeah. my whole jam. Empire Strikes Back. I was introduced to Star Wars when I was like eight, I think eight or nine. So I can I can show you the laser disc Empire Strikes Back that I used to watch with my dad. That's awesome. <sighs> laser that's, disc. That, that's a so that's a cool memory. We would watch it on VHS. Yeah. But we oh, rented but we had to rent the VCR at the time. <laughs> From Blockbuster no or Showtime? Oh, God, no. Showtime? No, no. Uh small town, small town. Little indie place. Okay. Uh, little indie video store. Were you, were you from Loveland? No. No, uh no. So I no. Um I have family in Loveland. You uh, just went to college with Ricky. With Ricky. Huh? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Our uh, our buddy Ricky at Best Flicks with Ricky D. Best Flicks with Ricky D. Oh, Ricky Sticky Stabby Dicky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Ricky and I in Loveland had a place called Showtime, and that's where yeah. I would rent my Sega from. Nice. Whenever I'd play Sonic, I'd go rent that. Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's a 1992 man. I can't. That's a long time ago. No, I mean, I, I probably didn't get a hold of it until about fifth, may, yeah, fifth or fourth grade. So, Literally, with the first time I saw literature on Star Wars post uh, uh, Jedi. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think the the first post Jedi book I ran into actually was um, the uh, Young Jedi Academy, uh, the the Young Jedi Knights stuff. Okay. Uh, Kevin oh. J. An- Kevin J. Anderson and Rebecca yeah. Moesta wrote yeah. uh, a whole series about Jason and Jaina as teenagers. That was a cool series. They were that like was an little, amazing they were series. Like is that, teenagers, basically. Is that yeah. the the twins? Yeah. Uh, oh. So, so uh, yeah, Han and Leia's twins as teenagers hanging out with Chewbacca's nephew Loey. Yeah. Loey. That shit was yep. Lobaka. Ah. Uh. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No. Chewie uh, had a nephew uh, in the were like, canon. What about as long like, as like a Goosebumps che- book or something like that? <laughs> yeah. No, 150, kid. 200 pages, something like that. But we we don't talk about Chewie's, Chewie's kid. Chewie's kid would have been more proper though. We we don't talk about that. We don't talk don't about know. Chew. Uh, what is no. his name? 
Bruno. No, not Bruno. <laughs> Lobaka. No. Chewie's kid. According to uh, Lumpy. 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 Oh, yeah, Lumpy. We don't talk from about the, uh, Lumpy. From no, the Christmas no. special. <laughs> yeah, no. We, we don't, don't talk about Lumpy. Nah. <laughs> but we do talk about Lumpy. It was Christmas special. Maybe. <laughs> We do. Talk about, yeah, maybe we'll talk about Dark Force Rising, written by Timothy Zahn, came out in 1992. Let me do a quick synopsis, and then uh, I think we're just going to kind of get right into this, because all the, there's a lot to talk about. This is a wonderful uh, sequel-slash-middle book to this trilogy. Um, I think Timothy Zahn did a great job in the first book uh, with nostalgia and bringing us back into Star Wars, and then with this second book, he broke away from that nostalgia a little bit and kind of made this story his own. Yeah, um, exactly. I I really yeah. like the way that his he developed the characters in this. We had some new characters introduced while learning more about older characters like Mara Jade. We learned a little bit more about Talon. We learned a little bit more about Han and his homeworld and the guy that used to run um Corellia and the senator for Corellia and stuff like that so there was a lot of really good development of of the universe a lot of good world building that Timothy Zahn did in this as compared to Heir to the Empire like I said Heir to the Empire was like bringing you back into Star Wars and this book was opening up Star Wars this is what was really expanding the universe as you will well uh, as it expanded the universe it, it did a very good job bringing the same character that we knew from oh, the, yeah. the original yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and, and we still have the same so lines cool. it was we cool the yeah same lines they I mean, still had the a... same attitude and same yeah. like dialect in the same voice it was just good to see like uh, we... timothy timothy zahn just uh, blend that in like when you're uh, reading he, it, you he can hear Leia's character. voice saying what she's saying. You can hear Han saying what he's saying. You can hear Luke say, I have a bad feeling about this at the <laughs> end of the book. You know, like, and and C-3PO at some point still has his, you know, uh, the odds or whatever are blah, 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 blah to one. And like he still has those callbacks to the old OG trilogy. But at the same time, he's making this story his own. And... I love that about this book in particular. I, I feel like it does suffer a little bit from sequelitis where it kind of drags do you mean? What do you a little mean? bit. Uh, well, it, it's the middle entry of a trilogy. Yeah. It's gonna it's gonna have some potential faltering just because just, it's it's the middle chapter. Right. Just like it, it there's a couple scenes that drag a little bit. There's a couple things that you're like, all right, let's But let's there's move a on couple of here. scenes let's, that let's, drag you know, with uh, Empire. I'm not yeah. gonna lie. As great of a movie as it is, there's few things that drag on. I, and that's gonna happen with most books. Like if you read books, you know that there is filler in all books. <laughs> but um, Dark Force Rising, I feel like there was just some things that maybe a little too much time was spent on. Um, mm -hmm. For instance, the Luke dealing with the dispute on that that planet and, and yeah. basically no no judge and jury you know for lando at that lando and han in the casino is way too and, detailed and there's mm -hmm. another one too like there's say it led now, to something cool but it was still just kind of like eh, where are we going here guys <laughs> i don't care where his eyes are shifting right now or <laughs> how he's playing the cards or the sweat dripping down his head i just <laughs> want to know what's going to happen the thing right. I love about the whole casino sequence, other than being what would have been an absolutely astonishing like visual set piece, oh. um, I love how quickly their plans get disrupted <laughs> at that point. It's like, yeah. we finally get to go hang out someplace cool. I get to go use my Lando skills to go gamble. Oh, shit. No, we don't. <laughs> yeah, because it... Yeah, there was a... And it seemed like this, this whole... Every single... Every time a main character got somewhere that they thought they were safe, it seemed like Thrawn just showed up. Or someone of, of Thrawn's crew showed up. I am altering you know? the deal. Pray that I do yeah, not alter exactly. it further. Exactly. <laughs> it, it is sort of weird. It did feel like Thrawn was like a, just a, a small baby step behind, if anything. 
Um, is he behind or is he ahead? He's planning ahead, but always on their tail. Yeah, that's a good way to. That was the for sure. That's proper. Yeah. So let me read this synopsis. I didn't write one myself. I actually found this. I dug deep on the onlines and found what I thought was the best synopsis. Is it a Reddit? No, it's not. It's from HoganReviews.co.uk slash all sorts of other things. I will put it in the <laughs> if you would like to go. .tl.tr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, there's a lot going on. Um, but basically, the Dying Empire's most cunning and ruthless warlord, Grand Admiral Thrawn, has taken command of the remnants of the Imperial fleet and launched a massive campaign aimed at the Republic's destruction. With the aid of unimaginable weapons long hidden away by the Emperor on a backwater planet, Thrawn plans to turn the tide of the battle, overwhelm the New Republic, and impose his iron rule throughout the galaxy. Meanwhile, dissension and personal ambition threaten to tear the Republic apart, as Princess Leia, pregnant with Jedi twins, risks her life to bring a proud and lethal alien race into alliance with the Republic. Han and Londo, ra- Lando race against time to find proof of treason inside the highest Republic Council, only to discover instead a ghostly fleet of warships that could bring doom to their friends and victory to their enemies. But... Most dangerous of all is a new dark Jedi risen from the ashes of a shrouded past, consumed by bitterness and thoroughly, utterly insane. Now he schemes to use his awesome mastery of the Force to summon young Skywalker, uh, cunningly enthrall him, and ultimately corrupt him to the dark side. I thought that was like the best synopsis for everything. Uh, all right, you had to have done game. that in the the the. Clone Wars uh, voice. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dateline on the other Coruscant. side of the galaxy. <laughs> Dateline Maybe Coruscant. <laughs> Maybe I'll re-record it. <laughs> I just actually that's always been one of my favorite parts of Clone Wars. I know. <laughs> His opening, yeah, that shit was it's always so great. good. It's like so, the beginning so of the propaganda. Oh, it, it's yeah. it's so like world war one era radio shows and I, I love it or yeah. or the or the like world war ii film strips kind of you know or early korea yeah back on coruscant anakin skywalker and general kenobi are fighting against yeah <laughs> so good i wish that that guy would narrate my life you know like you walk into work meanwhile josh, josh walk walks into today. work <laughs> Josh woke up today inside and he said, I'm going into work and I'm going to be doing the best job he ever could. All Meanwhile, right. his kitten pooped in the corner of the apartment. He must clean it up before it stinks. So, fun <laughs> fact. Uh, unfortunately, he's retired. Yes. Um, I think he retired after the last... After Clone Wars. Yeah, the, that last season came out. But yeah. Didn't he do uh, Legend of Korra? Uh, uh, he did. God, what else did he What's do? What's his name again? Tom Kane. Tom Kane. That's you guys saw Legend of Korra, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, oh, he was. Ah. Uh, uh, Avatar season two. Oh. Series two. The, the movie? Avatar no, no. two? No, no, God, no. The the show, Earth, Wind, and Fire, Avatar. Oh, no, I never watched. No. Uh-uh. Oh, God. You're missing yeah. a great one. Yeah, that show is literally great. I uh, he that. actually did one episode of Bad Batch as the narrator too. I w- I think it was the first episode, right? Yeah, yep. Because yep. they because yeah. it was. Personally. I remember being really excited about that, and then just slowly losing excitement as Bad Batch went on. <laughs> have you watched any? Uh, the most recent couple of episodes have been very highly praised. So I I have watched it. I didn't watch last week's episode, and I haven't watched this week's episode, but I have kept up for the most part. I haven't it's really... Whatever. I've seen the first four, and that's it. Yeah, I mean, look... I'm, I'm still I just going don't back, care. I'm still going back through Clone Wars right now before I dive into it, so... I just don't care about Bad Batch. Eh, that's I, fair. You know, like... I don't either. It's like they're trying to get as much out of clone wars as they can and i feel like it's a remnant there's been enough it's almost like it's duplicating 
<laughs> bum, bum, bum. There's two of them. <laughs> this is getting out of hand. <laughs> but yeah, there's, I mean, there's some good little parts in the new season. It's just not, I'm like, I'm two episodes behind. I'm not running to watch the new episodes. You know, yeah. it's not like Mandalorian season three or I'm going to be waiting up till one in the morning to watch the new episode that drops, you know? I've been doing um, that with Last of Us, man. Dude. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Pedro Pascal, man. Man, did, my girlfriend, uh, a few days ago, she was like, we should really check out The the Last of Us. And I was like, yeah, all right, let's 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 do it. I mean, I played the game. I kind of know what's happening, blah, blah, blah. We Dude, we binged those first four episodes. We did not stop watching them. It was so good. Oh, that's amazing. And I'm excited for tomorrow. Because uh, the episode's coming out early this week. So, Ooh. those of you listening in podcast land, we're recording on February 9th. So, when this drops on February 28th, <laughs> I kid, I kid, I kid. Um, Somewhere between there. Yeah. So, anyway, back to Dark Horse Rising, of course. Justin, you are the newbie of this book. This is the first time you've read through this book. Yeah. I want you to kind of guide us a little bit as far as what you thought about this book, what questions you have about this book, what predictions you have about this book, all those certain all those different things. So let's start with what did you think like when you close the book, once you finish that last page? Yeah. What what were your initial what was your initial reaction? Oh man, I, I it was it was like blue balls. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally like getting into like finally the the nitty gritty and like the excitement going on, and then end. This, that like, was quite it, the cliffhanger. It was on this quite one. edging. It was very edging, <laughs> but uh, I, I liked it. I liked it. Like for an overall story that I thought was a a pretty. Uh, average leeways right in like the lull in between the uh the uh beginning and intro mm -hmm. um it, it it didn't really have it it feel like it had a climax at any point there's like three separate climax and and that's between each uh of the characters before they come together just like was, the the prior book it was like the climax of act one act two and act three i feel like yeah, but it, like you didn't feel like an overall plot uh, climax, <laughs> though, you know. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. But m maybe it'll come in the next one. I'm sure it will. Well, I'm I mean, sure it will. Hope so in the conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> but like overall, like it was a solid book. I it, I literally uh, I read probably half of it in a day. Yeah, nice. It's <laughs> an easy read. I, they're yeah, not, they're it, not hard it books to read. And so. I I feel like this one, I don't know. Something about this one felt like it flowed a little bit better uh, just from point to point than the first one. And I would agree. It's and like I Zod think it was, got his, he got his like rhythm down. Yeah, in this book. no, he, he definitely, I think he definitely felt more comfortable writing in the Star Wars universe by the time he was, you know, putting together the second book do you yeah. do you feel like it was because it, he was accepted thus far like i don't know what the time i mean he would have been novels are they were released a year apart so he would have been at least doing the foundations for the second and third books while he was working on the first one like right. before it was released like he had signed on to do all three yeah like he was he was contracted a for a trilogy okay yeah okay. It, it's uh, not like it wasn't like a lot of more modern kind of scenarios where you have uh, an author publish a book and then if it, you know, pre-orders enough, then, hey, this planned sequel that you have will also get picked up for a publishing contract. It was different in the 90s. Uh, and, it, and it's, you know. It's different in the 90s. <laughs> except that it's still, you know, a franchise contract. So, right. like, it, it's still licensed writing for but an existing at, franchise. At the same so, time, Lucas was pretty liberal about his... He was. He was at the time. He, he but to let people do whatever he, whatever they wanted because he wasn't looking to expand anything at the at the moment. Yeah, he like, no, yeah, he, he had I'm no not going to make a sequel. 
he had no actual official plans in place at that point to do and that's why this book and that's why this book kind of contradicts a lot of certain things yeah you know like you there's a lot of contradictory uh timelines 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 Um, get a little wibbly Um, clones there's there's some uncertainty about um Weya's mother yep uh because and, and but that was something that was put in the the films and are in the, it was something that came from the films you know uh luke asks leia if he if she remembers her mother mm-hmm. uh and she you know says you know just images really right um, maybe it's but, just force projections well but it's never actually specified if it's her biological mother or yeah, if it's the mother. woman who raised her and we and you see... never know in a new hope if her mom and dad were alive yeah because um, the other end just blew up so that yeah, could be one of those know... points they fix in kenobi if they make a season two of kenobi they we could kill off princess see... leia's mom yeah we uh... we might see uh which actually is brilliant that makes a ton of sense that they would they would murk off leia's mom when she's eight or nine years old because then you know that that her talking to luke would make sense later on that she remembers vaguely her mother yeah counterpoint no idea who their mom is yeah counterpoint go on why wouldn't she act more familiar with ben kenobi when she's asking for his uh help you know, he's his only Because, home. listen, when I was eight or nine, and let me just, <laughs> I'll tell you a little personal story. Like, when I was eight or nine, my, my parents, they had friends. They had people that they knew. Um, I specifically remember one guy, and the only way I remember him is because his name was Rad. <laughs> no All joke. Right. His name All was right. Rad. Um, and he was one of my mom's friends. I have no idea what he looks like. I have no idea how tall he was, what he color exists. his hair was. I remember he existed. I remember that his name was Rad and that he was a friend of my mother's. Just like Leia could be like, I remember you are Obi-Wan Kenobi and that you fought with my dad in the Clone Wars. And, but and she was you. 10! But here's the thing. I was like 8. Dude! Did your you, parents ever you tell you stories? You forget a lot of shit. And when you're a senator's daughter in a galaxy like Star Wars, but, you think you're going to remember some like, fucking But you're trying to remember rat? memories as you're 35 or so? You're trying to remember, like, being eight. Like, being eight when you're 18? Like, that's less of a gap, man. Like, <laughs> but Leia lived a life a lot different than oh, you and I lived. Come on. Don't give Dude, me that. Dude, think about it. Think about it. The amount of Don't, memories that I'm I've tra- had from 8 to 35 are the equivalent to the amount of memories that Leia has from 8 to 18. Garen fucking teed. Because of the amount of people she talked to as a mini-senator. She's a princess of Alderaan. She's always going through things. Dude, she's met thousands of people. Thousands of people. That are her dad's friends. And you don't think friends. she would remember Kenobi, the person who saved her life. Dude, how many of her dad's friends have probably saved her life? Oh, yeah. She's a princess of a planet that is a part of the rebellion against the emperor. So she, we're just hey. going to get a whole series of like escalating, <laughs> escalating prequels <laughs> to A New Hope. Where it's just Leia's Leia just hanging out with a bunch of Organa's <laughs> friends. Like, like Bail Organa's just got all these different friends in the underground that like help. She Leia remembers get out of the trouble. blaster. She remembers the blaster holder. Dude. I get it. You're you're doing the Twitter thing where all the people on Twitter were angry because yeah. oh Leia would remember Obi-Wan, but you don't really think about the fact that like she lived an incredibly different life than anyone. Oh, I'm just lived. giving you shit, dude. I'm you know I'm a freaking <laughs> I love this story for what it is, for how many flaws and holes I see them. But I love the story nonetheless. Oh, I just man. like to no. be the counterpoint. And that's great. That's that's why get you you're worked here, up, my friend. Get you all worked <laughs> up. Wikipedia is saying that Brio Organa died uh at the destruction of Alderaan. So yeah. I but again that that just you know loops into the whole idea of timelines being 
not. Is that Wikipedia Legends or Canon? Uh, that's uh, Canon. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Those just, of you that are just... listening, if you don't go to Wikipedia, they have two different sections for Wikipedia. There is a Legends section and a Canon section. So. But I love how they do that. It's wonderful. Because for old timers like us, they have read those line books. Up that, though? Have you ever watched that? No. Is there like a video where they line up the timelines? No, no, no. There's like a picture of the two timelines, the canon and legends going side by side. Oh, I mean, I could probably do that myself. <laughs> Just whoa, with whoa, the way whoa, fine. that Fuck you, like too. all the different books. But I would <laughs> send me the link, man. I'll, I'll check it out. That's great. <laughs> I got all my. I was just in Colorado last month, and I got all my books back, all my Star Wars books, out of a little storage unit. So I was looking at them, and I mean, I'm. I think it would be a lot of fun. Like we're doing right now, we're doing the first ever trilogy, like first ever new book trilogy of Star Wars, which was Timothy Zahn, and I think it would be kind of cool to do the first ever Disney canon trilogy, that was written by Chuck Wendell. Um, Wendig. Aftermath. From Wendig, sorry. Um, yeah. The Aftermath trilogy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Aftermath. Hell yeah, dude. Which was a lot of fun. Um, and a lot it of was. people. Were... I, I, I feel tried like the... reading the first one. I, I really tried, but I, it didn't get me hooked. It started off on weird characters that I had no idea who were. Kind of did the same thing in this one. I mean, you had Lucan and Leia, but. It started I mean... off with Paleon. Yeah, and Paleon's in this. Oh. Well, Paleon's in uh, Clone Wars. Yeah. Or uh, Rebels, I'm sorry. Rebels. But yeah. Paleon stemmed and was introduced in the Thrawn trilogy. And Nogiri. And the Nogiri, yep. Um, so again, everything stems from this first trilogy, and that's why yeah. we're doing this. That's why we're reading these books, because they're a lot of fun. And for Star Wars fans that haven't read these books, you it's a must-read. Like, you I know, agree. You're, maybe you're younger and, and you're just getting into Star Wars and you're like, oh, my dad really likes the prequels and they're really cool. Like, he likes those prequels for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> and there are some other really good stories out there that are a lot of fun. So I, I, I would put I wouldn't say this trilogy is for the the intro reader to Star Wars. I'd say I read this book in eighth grade. What are you talking? Oh, well, I guess well, I'm a little well, different. That was for us <laughs> before had, the, the prequel in the sequels. Like. Yeah, that's it true. That's we, didn't, we didn't have a prequel yet. We yeah, just, these books this came was out before uncharted the prequel, territory. So. Yeah, which so explains a, a lot of the like kind of uh, flaws or the the you know like the the canon issues. Like I well, so I was telling canon Phil before and legends for a reason. Right, it's just now canon is pulling from legends uh, to make you know the new canon or the right. the time in between the the resistance and the the new or the the rebels um i was talking to phil before we started recording about how i read this book over the summer and i read a little bit more of it like during christmas break and but in actuality like for this show i've been watching a lot of the comic book um, adaptations of it and kind of doing the audio versions and all that stuff um, and it's really fun to see those because in those old comics from Dark Horse that came out in the early 90s like for instance the clone scenes where you see clones nowadays they would all resemble Django Fett but back then in the 90s there was no clone template yeah so the clones were all different people but they were considered clones so kind of just small details in the, the that whole are group, changed as the prequels come out uh, the whole group on the drop ship at the end of dark force rising yes they're uh, all clones we're all this, we're all identical right but you didn't really know i guess you didn't really know what what they were from all right but yeah from. no we we don't see the source but, but for uh, me reading this post like prequel sequel like I have this knowledge of it, of what these clones are, and then I'm seeing this reading, and I picture them in my head. Like it happened with the the clones. It happened with the uh, like the uh, the katana fleet. I was just pic uh, picturing vindictors from uh, um, Clone Wars, just all blacked out and gray. <laughs> oh yeah, 
or Vindicators. Sorry, not and Vindicators. In the comics, like I sent you a picture of the comic adaptation of it, and they're still pretty cool looking. They're a little plain Jane. Oh, they but... look like a penis. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> but they still. All right, it's very phallic. Whatever, man. They still look cool. All right, they look like Star Wars ships. <laughs> Dang, man. They got me thinking about penises over here. <laughs> Not that that's a bad thing. I mean, penises. Moving on. Light that cigarette, I guess. <laughs> um. <laughs> um. So anyway, move, moving on, I guess. Um, a lot happened in this story, and a lot didn't happen in this story. It was oh. just kind of. It was the the middle part of a trilogy. You know, we get a lot of story building we get i think one of my favorite parts of this was leia convincing the nogri that the empire had basically screwed them over well i mean that is gonna be one of i mean the whole realization of their betrayal and leia and luke's connection to them is a major force throughout this entire trilogy and it's right. one thing that Thrawn consistently uh, loses track of because he doesn't know, at least as far as we know, he doesn't know about the connection between them and Vader. Leia. Oh, yeah. The, the, yeah, between Mal- the Malasari or what's the, her name? The, the Malariush. Yeah. There. Mother, the daughter of the Vader's daughter, <laughs> Lady, Lady Vader. Lady, Lady Vader. Vader. I love that. Just, that. that just that just rolls off the tongue really well. It does, right? Lady I Vader. Mean, I, I feel like there's a. It's, I, I it's the this, internal uh, rhyme. It's just fun. I feel like uh, there needs to be you know someone that makes an Instagram page for Lady Vader. There's a there's one girl that does like a oh. a Boba Fett. There's a lady kind of page where she saw her just like on a pole. <laughs> okay, well. No, there's touche, TikTok videos of this. I'm not talking about OnlyFans. I'm, I'm talking about like just regular. It pages. is tasteful. My wife sent it to me b- to begin with, <laughs> so it's tasteful. tasteful I think. <laughs> oh man. No, I I I loved. <laughs> I loved Lady Vader. The, just yeah. that whole like that that because they hated her, really but they cool. had to respect her because she was Vader's daughter. You yeah. know what I mean? And like I love the whole the whole arc with Leia in this, where she's trying to balance being, you know, the political figure with being a parent, with being, you know, Jedi a jedi you know she's she's trying to balance all of these different aspects and i feel like it's it's arguably more character development across the course of this like book than we saw in the entire trilogy of films but is that because she has so many things on her plate partially and partially because she was not supposed to be the central figure in in the original trilogy but I mean, and, and books give give a better yeah. opportunity to expand on characters. That's as well. That's the other thing. It, it's partially just due to the format, you know, due to the to the media that we're consuming. Right. Like I and I agree with you. Leia gets a lot more character development in this, where Han and Luke get the action scenes. Mm-hmm. You know, we get. I mean, Luke has a little bit more development with like Joris. Yeah. Um, with with those scenes where you kind of learn, like, no, this guy's fucking crazy. Like this guy is insane <laughs> in the membrane, and like at first, I mean, I could see where Luke is like, okay, I'm gonna learn from this guy, I'm gonna learn, and then, and then Seaboth just starts busting out the lightning, and you're like, oh yeah, no, no, you need to run away, you need to run far away from this guy, um, and I wanted to bring up just with Luke while we're on the topic of Luke, um, I. I his first scene of like being judge and jury, I think we kind of briefly touched it a little bit ago, but there were two scenes with that aspect, one with Joris and one without Joris. And the first one, I feel like Luke really did a good job, you know, giving out a judgment for the guy. Was I think that one was like a fence or something. 
Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It was the first was, one was a was a Greedo character that owed uh, somebody money. Oh, oh so, yeah, the the whole set with the uh, Rodian with Niles Ferrier when the, when Niles Ferrier yes. gets called out. Yeah, yes, the and, money and changing they... the money changing scene. Yes, which and... which establishes the concept of the whole uh, thing with the. Um, it establishes like, uh, the Jedi Council. Yeah, it, it kind of establishes the, the like, idea of the adjudication. Yeah, uh, and before we Jedi. knew what the Jedi Council did, this is what Thrawn assumed would happen. Yeah, is that they would send a Jedi in somewhere to handle a conflict or handle a dispute between people, you know, and and the the bigger the dispute or the bigger the conflict, the more Jedi they would send. It's kind of which my is, thought process in this, which makes which sense. Is judge kind of the jury, see, the executioner. Which is kind of what we see then in episode one with Obi Wan and Qui Gon being sent by Chancellor Valorum to go deal with a trade dispute. To negotiate. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, Valorum Valorum's out here thinking, oh, this will be easy. I'll send two Jedi. The Trade Federation will back down immediately because Jedi. Right. <laughs> Well, well they were they, probably like, hey, let's send some Jedi, you know, these peace guys, and just let them go talk to them and see what's up. Well, and like with... Jedis were not viewed as a weapon before that. Well, yeah. before the Clone Wars, like even in, what, episode two, episode three, they mention it numerous times, like we were never meant to fight somebody's war. Yeah. We were always meant to be keepers of the peace. And so this book really kind of emphasizes that keepers of the peace um, aspect of the Jedi. And Luke does a really good job the first go around. I mean, but then the second time he does it with Joris standing there, it's like he, he fails, you know? And that's kind of when you start realizing he, that Seaboth is dark. Yeah. Or just nuts. Por que no las dos? So, yeah. Um, but, but Justin, like, did you have anything else as far as like these these disputes that that were figured out by the Jedi? Did you have anything else to add? Uh, to it was just uh, interesting to see Luke's reaction the second time once Joris started popping off his uh, lightning. Yeah, because he's like, "Whoa, this is not cool." That's like literally right when his mind snapped. He's like, "Boom, Emperor!" Nah, man, I'm out. <laughs> that, that was some PTSD the... with that shit. <laughs> oh yeah. And he just snapped out. He's like, all right, I'm done with this guy. But it, it was interesting to see just that parallel there. I love getting to see farm boy Luke going out and seeing so much more of the galaxy. Because, again, Yavin 4 was literally the first other actual planet he visited. He'd That's never true, been. He, 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 oh, was, yeah, uh... Luke had never been off Tatooine. That's very true. Before Death Star by Coruscant, and uh, yeah, yeah, Yavin Four was the first other planet that he visited, and it, it was, was a beautiful was... planet, though. But point being, I-, I love getting to see him go out and see all these new places, right? And, and he's I very read... active with that too, because he's going to a lot of different places. Well, and one of the things I read was talking about how much Zahn wanted to be able to expand you know, the actual universe by taking us to all of these planets that we hadn't seen. Right. You know, I mean... Because we went to Kashyyyk we, in this we, one, didn't we? Or was uh, it... We went to Kashyyyk in the, the first, first one. one. But then this one, we're going to the Nogri planet. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which which was a really interesting description. Like, how... Uh, how Josh, how do you picture that one in your head? The Nogri planet? Yeah. You know... It it took a minute, but as the book went on, I feel like it was kind of a city surrounded by fields of wheat. You know what I mean? Like fields of grains and stuff like that. That they were more of like a farming planet. Um, especially when when Leia found out that the Empire had been giving them like choke roots, basically, that were... Well, they were growing. They were growing plants that were similar to what they grew before, and they acted as if they were the same plants, but they were not the same plants. And so it was kind of killing their planet from the inside out, or something like that. Uh, um, essentially. Well, yeah, like, basically. Uh, yeah, well, Phil. What kind of visuals did you picture in your head? Um. 
because I, I grew up in I grew up in farm country, so I mean I I grew up surrounded by like wheat and cornfields, so I I pictured a lot of it as like almost like a stubble like where where a plant had grown at one point but had been cut but then nothing else had grown back in its place right um so i mean it, it looked to, like it, it could again, have been to luscious, me it looked like it, it, it looked like a place that had been verdant at one point but was now just like the life was being choked out of it all right what about all you right. justin what did you think about the planet like what what were your the um, way the see, planet was described and as it continued throughout the the story was uh it was wally wally's earth without the trash yeah and then and then okay. it was just a desolate place and then every once in a while there'd be a nice a little, little square, <laughs> and then a little robot droid uh, just scooping up dirt and flipping it up flipping it up uh, every 15 minutes and then going on to the next foot like that's uh, that, that's how it felt to me. Plus, like a mixture of like how Geonosius' uh, uh, background was, or like the red sky, that rust-looking kind of feel. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and just for reference, the planet is called Honiger. Honoger. Honiger. H O N O G H R. Honiger. Honiger. Yeah. Um, which is it was a new planet. We haven't seen that planet since this introduction i don't believe uh it popped up or at least was referenced i think in um uh star killer uh the video game oh uh, okay. unleashed course unleashed yeah uh it was uh like star killer had trained there at one point okay yeah that makes sense yeah. um and it looks like it was also mentioned in a couple other just random books. Mm-hmm. Um, the Star, the Force Awakens beginner game, the Star Wars Alien Archive, um, but it is part of the Outer Rim territories. So it is not it something that we've to reason seen. That uh, stands to reason that Thrawn would have come across it fairly early on, right? right um which is another point of of the similarities between the mandoverse and the series like finally be coming back from the outer rim you know and i i it's gonna be strange it's gonna be i'm curious to see what he comes back with well are are you curious like is he going to come back with the knowledge that the empire has failed or is he going to come back like boom where are the empire is at its peak and oh shit everything like sucks and that's the thing or what if thrawn is the one building this army what what, what is the third option The third option is that Thrawn knows everything that Emperor Palpatine is doing, and he's the one building the Last Order Mm -hmm. for Episode Nine. Yeah, that that fleet that the Emperor has in Episode Nine is technically the fleet, the Dark Force. Yeah, and I didn't verso. Hmm. I didn't. I didn't verso. Battlefront Two. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, "What are you talking about?" But Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I, I mean, that that would be the last option is that Thrawn is coming back with this fleet mm-hmm. to give to the Emperor. But, but the Emperor why? is gone, so yeah. Um so my my favorite theory uh my favorite theory, just building like forward in Legends Canon, is that Thrawn coming back from the, you know, unknown regions like on the absolute edges of the galaxy you know coming out back from the unknown regions thrawn had encountered theoretically you know theoretically encountered at some point the Yuzon vong yes and was trying to prepare for their inevitable arrival yes dude if justin shut up justin shut up if the yusan vong comes in to this series, if they use the Mandoverse to bring the Usain Vong in, 
everything about the sequel trilogy is is fucking vindicated <laughs> because they could skip that whole trilogy and go past it and move on to the actual Vong storyline and that would be absolutely epic. so Justin for for sorry some, Justin <laughs> some clarity for you please thank you um Yuzan Vong are an alien species from outside of the Star Wars galaxy they okay. they're they're an extra galactic threat they do not register in the force. What do you, you mean? Can't find them. They you are, can't find they are, them. Is it like a Salamari? It, it is kind of like the Salamari with the force void. Um, yeah. The Yuuzhan Vong are not from our, this galaxy, and so they don't register in the force. Yep. And they are a genocidal alien race, and they are just sweeping through, conquering everything in their path they so, are they are the big are they massive like the... threat in the like post you know in like 40 years post return of the jedi they are the to say this threat. but are they the borg no kind of they're like uh, they're, they're the equivalent a... to the borg but they're not the same as the borg they are uh kind of like an organic uh focused version of the borg uh, a lot of their technology is grown, like their their ships uh, and various things. Their weapons are all like organic, like grown spaceships and things. It's weird, dude. So here's the thing about and, and the Yusen Vong was, as you read more of the expanded universe in these books, you figure it's, it's out wild, that man. the the Emperor had actually sent Thrawn to the unknown regions to find the Yusen Vong to like figure out what they were doing or destroy them or whatever because the Emperor had a premonition that the Vong would come and destroy the the galaxy as we know it and so this whole trilogy like the the Thrawn trilogy is like five or six years after Return of the Jedi right yeah well the new Jedi Order comes out 35 40 years after return of the jedi and that's when the vong comes in yeah and that's when, when they start when things over when han and when han and leia's twins are they're in the teens fully like they, grown yeah. no they're they're are like they, fully oh, yeah, grown no, they're, they're way older because they're one of them is like running the jedi order i think isn't he uh he's he's like was it jason that's jason. doing it yeah he's he's there's a lot of things going on with jason uh yeah, he's he's a fun he's a fun story though. Didn't he like, go dark and then came back? He he, I, light spoiler. Uh, he does go dark as part of the whole like response to the uh, Yuuzhan Vong invasion. And so J.J. Abrams thought he was being cute when he put Ben Solo going to the dark side and blah blah blah, <laughs> trying to use plot points from the expanded universe but he failed miserably because the expanded universe version of leia's kids going dark is way better because than... you have more build up to it yeah, exactly you have more story you have more um you have a better idea of where these characters are coming from and yeah, why they're you doing had, what they're doing you have almost 30 you had almost 30 years of like growing up with the character yeah. before you see his fall but, and the so sequel stuff was unknown territory that was uncharted writing so yeah. anything that came out even after the prequel trilogy came out they were still writing uh expanded universe stories because lucas didn't really have a plan to do anything with the sequel so he just yeah. gave writers free reign to do whatever they wanted basically so uh garm bell iblis Ah, dude, you think he's legendary? Be a legendary Corellian senator. I don't know. I don't know if the timelines work out to to drop Bell Iblis in. And I don't even be... know what is the importance of this guy. Like, I realized so he was a he badass is... senator in Corellia at one point, but he's, he's a <laughs> to me, it's all fishy. He just pops in when yes. everyone thinks he's dead. But he's a he's a connecting point for Han. It it builds just it's just a, a connection to Han's past to give him something to do, um, to give him to give him motivation to, to give him some filler. Yeah, um, 
He's also but, there to kind of give some Mon Mothma backstory as well. Yes. To kind of give an idea of what the people think of Mon Mothma and what, um, you know, the unbiased opinion of Mon Mothma might be. Yeah. And I love Mon Mothma. I do too, but not everybody did. Right. Uh, but just seeing somebody else who, who you know, it introduces another leader from that time period. Uh a, a counterpart to Mon Mothma, somebody else who could be a potentially very strong leader in the New Republic going forward, uh, but could also just as likely be uh, one of Thrawn's pawns. And I just, I love his whole introduction. I love uh, his base being called the Paragon's Nest. Uh, partially just because of the connection. Uh, I love the, the base being named the Peregrine's Nest, partially just because of the connection to the Millennium Falcon, mm-hmm. uh, Peregrine Falcon, yep. and the yep. whole thing. Um, it's and... like there's a Carillion connection through all these yeah. different names. Yeah. They like and... the birds of prey. Yeah. <laughs> and I also like that he, you know, introduces Han and Lando to the first, like, named cocktail uh, in the Star Wars universe. What, yeah, what the, was that called? The hot cocoa? The, no, no, that was Lando introducing that to Luke, uh, which I think <laughs> is funny. adorable. It's just hilarious. like, hey, little desert farm boy, here, have some chocolate. Do some hot yeah. cocoa. <laughs> that was one no. thing about these books, especially Expanded Universe, where they kind of sprinkled in some, like, earthling things mm-hmm. like hot cocoa <laughs> well what was the drink uh that yeah hando so, had uh they called it a twistler t-w-i-s-t-l-e-r twistler now let me let me ask you another question did you happen to make a twistler i came up with something that i believe uh is reminiscent of the description and go uh, ahead and, and tell us what you think the Twistler is made of. Oh man, what is the Twistler made out of? We don't know quite yet, but Phil is definitely going to tell us next week on the conclusion of this little mini series so definitely stay tuned for that thank you all for listening to this first episode of the dark force rising review um it was so much fun to go through these again and i can't even tell you how excited i am for mandalorian season three um like i said my name is josh i was joined by phil and justin you can find all of their social media things in the notes of this podcast any of the websites or anything we refer to are going to be in the notes of this podcast as well you can find us on twitter at QuestMeTMA or at twist my arm cast you can find us on facebook and instagram by searching twist my arm podcast and you can find us on tiktok by going to tma network thank you all again for listening to this week's episode of the dark force rising review my name is josh your forever host and friend and i will talk to you next week